Well, as you've already gathered, I'm going to talk about prayer this morning. This sermon is, well, shall I say, by request. I had a friend who asked uh, several weeks ago, when are you ever going to talk about prayer? I said, oh, don't worry, it's coming up. Well, there, there are a couple of things. That friend isn't here today. And uh, I've learned over the years, just so you know, if you ever think that I'm preaching right to you, I gave that up a long time ago because when I try that, the person I'm preaching to is never here. So just, you know, just absolve me of that right away. But nonetheless, I said, why do you want me to talk about prayer? And he said, well, because I think it's, I think it's really interesting and I don't know if I'm very good at it. As though, if we just had the right words, or if we just had the right way of expressing what's on our minds, God would listen to us. And as you may suspect, that doesn't sound quite right. But nonetheless, it's worth thinking about and talking about prayer. Because we don't always pray like we should. But beyond that, I think we need to talk about prayer, not so much because prayer is some sort of magic formula that enables us to say the right thing in the right way so that God does, you know, gives us the right answer. It's not like He's some sort of magic box where we put in our prayers, crank it a few times, and out pops exactly what we hope for. It isn't so much that prayer is the mystery, it's, it's that life is the mystery. I don't, maybe your life isn't, my life is. I mean, I go through, I go day after day, week after week, thinking, what is going on here? This is not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go much better than this. People aren't supposed to get sick and die. People aren't supposed to lose their jobs and, and, or housing, or their family members aren't supposed to suffer. I mean, it just could go on and on, and I just, I don't know what to make of it. And it frustrates me. And when it frustrates me, and disappoints me, how then am I supposed to pray? What do I say to God then? See, that, I think, is the trickiest part. When words don't come, how do I pray? When disappointment won't leave me alone, how do I pray? That is what our text is about today. And that's really why we preach through the Bible like we do, is because eventually we're going to talk about prayer. Eventually we're going to talk about heaven. Eventually we're going to talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. If it's in the Bible, we're going to get there. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles and uh, open them up to Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us 
in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Well, clearly this is about prayer and clearly it's about how the Holy Spirit interacts with our prayers. And it starts off with an unusual word, likewise. Which made me wonder, what it, like what? Likewise what? What's it like? Because the verses right before are talking about hope and, you know, uh, being saved through hope and waiting patiently with hope. How is it like that? Maybe it's not like that. What I think happened is in verses 18 through 25, that he has this little parenthesis about suffering and about how hard life is. But, Prior to that, verses 15 through 17, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think what the likewise does is points us to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Why did God give His Holy Spirit to us? And notice what it says in verses 13 through 17. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit leads us to put to death the deeds of the body. To get rid of that old life and to establish a new life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. To lead us in the way of the new life and to help us get rid of the old life. And so he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I got so fired up about this a few weeks ago. Somebody thought, that's the only thing the Holy Spirit does. It isn't the only thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does other things. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit comes in when we need Him, and helps us to pray in an intimate way to our Heavenly Father, calling Him Daddy or Abba or Papa. And then, beyond that, the Holy Spirit confirms for us that we belong to God. So He helps us get rid of the old life and start the new life. He helps us to cry out to God in an intimate way Not just in a distant way like you would with the supreme ruler of the universe, but as you would with your Father. And then, He reminds us and He he convinces us that we belong to God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And as He was talking about that, He left off and started then talking about suffering. And so what he does here is likewise he picks up the, the topic of the Holy Spirit and he, he synthesizes it with 
the idea of suffering. He brings it right into the problems of the present day. It's not like the Holy Spirit's only for church or the Holy Spirit's only for some religious experience. The Holy Spirit is for those worst days. The hard days. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think people have a sort of a vision of the Holy Spirit as though He is the one that brings the fireworks to the Christian life. I mean, the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the tongues and the prophecies and blah, 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 whatever it is, that's from the Holy Spirit. But the exciting stuff's from the Holy Spirit. That's His job. Well, if you read this, you don't have to read it very carefully. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Not in the ecstasy. Not in the, the mountaintops, but in the valleys. The Holy Spirit helps us not at our point of strength, but at our point of weakness. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Which is interesting because the weakness is, the weakness is not the opposite of hope. If you look back at verse 25, and it's talking all about hope, as though the hope that we would have a future with God is, you know, if somebody thinks it's because we're doing so well, you're missing a point. When you're doing so poorly, you have hope. You have hope when you're weak. And the weakness and the hope go together because the Holy Spirit brings them together. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is specifically what it's talking about. Verse 18, But consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory which shall be revealed. I think any, any version of religion that doesn't admit Suffering or that promises you release from your suffering is not a biblical religion. Because the Bible admits that life doesn't magically get better when you trust Christ. Sometimes it gets harder. And here he says, I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing to the glory which shall be revealed. Because that is our weakness. It's when we're suffering on account of our weakness that the Holy Spirit comes in. And it tells us the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This, uh, the word helps us is, is not used very many times. But when it is, it, it's used as shouldering a burden. It's too heavy for someone else. It's like, like you uh, see someone with a backpack loaded full of books staggering their way to school and say, come here, let me help you with that. And you put it, the backpack on yourself. Somebody has a sack of groceries that the bottom is tearing out and you come along and you would help them out with that. It's shouldering a burden that's too heavy for someone else. That's what the Holy Spirit does when, when the weakness, when the suffering is too heavy. 
That's when the Holy Spirit comes. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray as we ought. This is, this is interesting because I, I don't think that the question is so much a prayer question as a how do I, how do I navigate this at all question. That's really the question. Because if we started off the service with the Lord's Prayer, right? Jesus told us how to pray. We know how to pray. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. We know how to pray. You just take those priorities that Jesus outlines there and you pray about those, that God's name would be revered, that His kingdom would come, that He'd give us what we need, that His will would be done. You, that's how you pray. It's not rocket science. It's simple. So I don't think that it's, oh, I don't know the magic formula for prayer. And here I, I'm going to give it to you. It's not that. It's the weakness is so overwhelming today. The suffering is so unpleasant today. I don't know. I don't see a way out. I'm so overwhelmed by the news. I don't know how to pray. I'm so hurt by what that person told me the other day. Or the way they treated me. That all I want to do is, you know, call down fire from heaven against them. And I don't think that's quite right, so I don't know how to pray. I think that's what he's talking about. I don't know how to I don't know how to navigate this. And it's interesting that he that he goes right to prayer. Isn't he? He goes from weakness to prayer. And and he does that because he is just already talked about prayer in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to cry out more ecstatically, more excitedly, more with you know enthusiasm. Notice it isn't we pray quietly, Abba Father. We cry. Abba Father. We have the privilege of going straight to God as our Father. Knowing that He loves us like a daddy loves his children. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. But there are days that doesn't work. There are days I just don't feel like that. There are days when I cry, Abba, Father! And all I hear is this echo off this brass ceiling. And I think, God, why don't You hear me today? Why are You so far away today? It's those days that the Holy Spirit helps us in a different way. See, there's two ways He helps us. He helps us cry, Abba, Father, which is the ideal prayer, you might say. And then, when I can't pray like that, then He intercedes for me. When I don't know how to pray as I should. When I am so hurt. 
that I can't, I can't even vocalize words. I, I don't know how to pray. I mean, I, I've had three things since, since Friday that have struck me and I've said, God, I haven't the foggiest idea what needs to happen here. And that's about as good as I do. And I suppose maybe that makes me a man of prayer, right? One of those super spiritual gurus, you might say. God, I don't know what's supposed to happen here. If I don't know what's supposed to happen here, what am I going to pray for? I don't know what to pray for either. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Which is to say that God the Holy Spirit stands between my inability to understand and to pray and to navigate my situation and my Abba Father. So that I throw my hands to I don't know. And the Holy Spirit says, let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. I, don't worry. You don't need to say a thing. Let me help you. And He pleads my case with God. He intercedes. He goes between. He interprets my the dumb thing I might say to God. He interprets that for God, you might say. My stumbling around, wondering how do I make sense of this, the Holy Spirit takes whatever I'm doing there and brings it before God. He is my intercessor. He pleads with God for me. In fact, the word here isn't just He intercedes for me. The, the Greek word here is a combination, a, a, a compound word. Like a compound word is like cowboy, right? Cow and boy, you put them together, you get a compound word. Here is a compound word that is hyper-intercede. He is a hyper-interceder for me. He puts this intercession on hyperdrive to get straight to God as quick as he can. Because God loves me. And He wants, he wants to engage my life and my situation. So the Spirit Himself hyper-intercedes for us. And how does He do this? With groanings too deep for words. Now we've We've seen this before, haven't we? This groaning is in verse 22. If you look back, all creation groans. In other words, the, the inanimate world around us is grieving over the way that things are. It's groaning, longing for the day when everything will be made right. Then he says, we too groan in verse 23. This groaning, you just have to know. This groaning is not for the chipper and the glass half full type people. 
This groaning is a complaint. We see this in uh, Acts chapter 7 when, um, when uh, he talks about the children of Israel un- in slavery in Egypt under the lash of the Master without any food, without any straw for bricks, complaining to God. He tells us, God says, I have heard their groanings. And that's what he's talking about. He's not, he, he's not talking about an ecstatic religious experience. He's talking about the depths of human experience. When you're all alone, and the lump is in your throat, and you can't express what you know you need to express. That's when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. That's when the Holy Spirit takes up the groanings that are too deep for words. When my heart feels like groaning and I just can't, no, I can't do it right. Then the Holy Spirit takes it up and He does it and it says it's too deep for words. It's unutterable. without my knowing what He's saying, without my hearing anything, the Holy Spirit is pleading my cause with God. There are some who look at this uh, phrase with groanings too deep for words and want to attribute uh, you know, a prayer language or some sort of... Um, utterance in an unknown tongue here, like in 1 Corinthians 12. And the reality is that this isn't that. Because I'm not doing the praying. The Holy Spirit is doing it. And it's unspoken. It's not like somebody's making some noise they don't understand. Nobody's saying anything. It's unexpressed. And the Holy Spirit is somehow connecting with God in a way that is um, beyond language. And He's pleading for me. He's pleading for you. Isn't that amazing? You are never alone at the bottom of your life. And so, we're told then in the next verse why this is the case. If it's my, the depth of my despair that intersects with the Holy Spirit and He looks at me and He says, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Let me help him. Okay, that, that's the way the Holy Spirit looks at me. The Holy Spirit also looks the other way at God. And this explains why the Holy Spirit can do that for me. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Scripture here just simply tells us that God Himself knows and understands the Holy Spirit. That there is a love and a unity and an understanding between God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that is unbreakable. That is, that doesn't even need words. That 
that God is the one who knows the mind of the Spirit. And He searches the hearts. He searches your heart and my heart. That's how it's describing God at this point. And I think He has in view, He has in view the hearts of people whose hearts are broken. You can think, you can think of uh, Psalm 44. I almost had you turn there, but uh, I didn't because it's too long. But Psalm 44 is this expression where, where the psalmist just says, you know what? If we'd forgotten our covenant, we'd expect God to treat us this badly. If we had rebelled against God, we'd expect Him to treat us this badly. But God knows our hearts, it says. And He has that in view, I think. You can think of Job. Where Job does nothing but complain to his friends, right? About the way that God is treating him. And they affirm over and over, both Job and his friends, that God knows his heart. So God knows my heart. And He doesn't only know and search my heart, He knows the Holy Spirit and they are on the same page as God the Holy Spirit says, how can I help Scott here? He turns around and He faces God and they understand each other without words. It's amazing. And then He says, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And again, as though, as though for some re- somehow we've forgotten that about 15 words ago, He told us that the Spirit super intercedes for us. He just wants to say it again. Don't ever forget when you are at the bottom, the lowest, the loneliest, that God the Holy Spirit remembers you. And He remembers you before God the Father. So we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us without words, but that doesn't matter because God who knows the hearts knows the Spirit and He's, he's good with that. And he, he translates and hears what I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing when I'm praying. See, this, that's, that's the thing. That, isn't that the great hope? It isn't that I've got to have the right magic incantation so that God does for me what needs to be done. In fact, when I don't have that, that's when it's most effectively translated to God by the Spirit who intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So again, this takes me back not so much to to prayer, like, oh, I don't know how I should pray this. But rather, I don't know what to do. I I don't know how to get involved. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to recover. I don't know any of this. God will help me do His will. That's, that's basically the message here. Is that the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside and he's going, to, he, he's going to talk to God about what God wants done in my situation. And it's as though I knew it all along, right? It's as though I did have the right thing to say to God here. When I don't. But it doesn't matter because I have somebody that does know what to say. And when he does know what to say it, 
what it, when he doesn't know what to say, then God answers that prayer according to His will. Which takes us back to the fact that we do know how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name, thy will be done. We're right back where we came from. And when I don't know the will, this is when the Holy Spirit helps me with that. And so the beauty of this is, well, how, how shall I say this? The beauty of this is, you can't miss. If you are interested in what God is interested in, through whatever suffering or hurt or situation you might encounter, you can't miss. That's crazy. I don't do anything else in my life that I can't miss at. But this tells me I can't miss at prayer. I can simply say, Abba Father. And if I feel like He's not hearing me, the Holy Spirit's going to make sure that He does. So that you are never alone. You are never forsaken. You are never, you are never so broken that God can't and won't mend you. It's beautiful. I just, I just have to smile as I think about Romans chapter 8 and uh, how it started off, there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And it talked about freedom, being free, set free from the law of sin and death. And I just keep, kept thinking, well, maybe I've exhausted the good news here. Maybe I tell people there's no condemnation. I don't have any more good news for them. And then every week I open my Bible and there's this, this new page of good news. And the new, this, this new page of good news for you is now that because there's no condemnation, because you've been set free from the law of sin and death, because the Holy Spirit... Um, helps you put to death the deeds of the body and confirms you that you're a child of God, now you can talk to God. And you don't even need to get it right when you do. God will make sure that He comes to your aid and you will never be left alone. It just keeps getting better. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we really are amazed, first of all, that you would listen, but more than that, that when we don't have anything to say, you take care of us anyway. Father, I want to just take a moment and pray for the people gathered in this room, many of whom have enormous pain in their life. Battles that they're fighting that nobody else maybe in the room even knows about. Some of us have been fighting those battles for years. 
And we feel all alone in it. And we feel like we can't be recovered. We don't know what's next. And we don't know how to pray. God, these verses are for that person. God, would You just make it so real to them that You love them and that Your Holy Spirit is right there with them bearing their pain straight to You. And Father, even as I don't know right now how to pray for everybody here, the Holy Spirit is right here for me making this puny pastoral appeal count for something. And so God, would You would you convince us again that You love us and that we're Your children and that You care for us even when we don't know how to care for ourselves. And we thank You for the confidence that comes from that. That our failure doesn't eliminate our hope. That our weakness doesn't sever our relationship with You and Your love for us. But Father, all of it is made more certain by Your Holy Spirit. Would You cause us to love You and to trust You now? In Jesus' name, Amen.